When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into Brewcast for Maze of Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network here with you on Monday night, September 13th. Uh, the pod's going to be dropping Tuesday, September 14th. But if you're watching live here on YouTube, really appreciate you. I'm Luke Giardi, Anthony Broom, Stephen Ossetowski uh, joining you here tonight. And we got uh, quite a bit to discuss coming off the big victory on Saturday night as uh, we head into another non-conference matchup. Not quite uh, going to be the same hype surrounding this one here but uh yeah we're, we're gonna have a fun week here on the on the show on the site i know uh steven and vaughn are gonna have a good recruiting show coming up here for you this week uh you know clay helton losing his job i'm sure that's not gonna have any sort of effect on a particular five-star committed to usc that was at the big house saturday so uh, make sure to tune in all week long here guys how are we doing here tonight doing all Great. right yeah, yeah. Things are good. We kind of, uh, Stephen and I, Stephen's back. It's good to have you back with yes. us. Yeah, man. Ho- hopefully everything's going out good over there, man. Yeah, doing all right. Good to be back. It's been a little bit of a rotating slot here lately, but we're here. Uh, Michigan's played two football games, uh, two similar football games. Uh, when you look at the box score, which is, is good and has uh, its fair share of concerns as well. So we'll talk about all of it. It's good to have you guys here with us watching along on either Periscope or YouTube. We do have a new member of the YouTube channel in uh, Ian McDonald. So I want to shout him out really quick. Hello, Ian. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's just hop right into it. There's a, there's a lot well, well, of to cover tonight. First things first, I want to ask you guys, because I obviously uh, wasn't at the, the big house Saturday night, but I know you two were, I mean, on TV, it looked truly incredible. Shout out to everyone for the maze out. I think that it looked as good as it probably possibly could have gone. It was all maze and just a couple of patches of purple uh, with the Washington fan base. What, what was the atmosphere Saturday night in the big house? Yeah, it, this one. Yeah, I'll go first. It, I, had, I had fortune of being uh, on the 50 yard line. It was really great experience. It was um, it was probably the second best experience I've had at the big house in terms of atmosphere. Number one being. My freshman year, I was at the uh, first under the lights game at Notre Dame. Um, so that's yeah, hard was, to beat. I was there for that one. It was incredible. Yeah, that one's hard to beat. But this one, I think, really was second. Um, I can't remember standing um, as much as I did in this <laughs> in this game. It was really phenomenal how uh, really every single defensive drive, um, the fans were really, really going at it throughout and not just on third down. So that was pretty impressive. I can't remember the last time other than being in the student section, that that's actually been the case. And um, I was really shocked at the buy-in of uh, the maze out. I had my skepticism around, like, you know, how much of the stadium will really be maze. And um, I think the weather helped a little bit in fans buying into that. But but it was impressive. So in terms of creating a hostile atmosphere and um, one that was, you know, I I think it lived up to the hype that, uh, that Michigan was trying to sell. How about Michigan pulling 2019 Penn State? Causing the delay of game to begin the game. How about that? Yeah, um, you know, shout out. I mean, obviously, 
you know, I, I was in the press box, so I wasn't quite in the weeds like like Steven was or like fans that were at the game were. But it seemed like and shout out to Washington fans, too. They traveled extremely well. I mean, you yeah. walk through you walk through Ann Arbor, you walk through the concourse at the big house, wherever you went. If someone wasn't wearing maize, they were probably wearing purple. I didn't see a lot of people just straight up wearing blue, which if they did fine, like it's not it's not the end of the world. But, you know, they the internet bullying worked this time. It was for a good thing. People came out. Uh, I don't know if it's cause it was an eight o'clock game too, but people were loud. People were riled up. It helps when you have a couple extra hours out on the golf course to um, partake in adult beverages, I guess we'll say, but yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, the, everything, the presentation was awesome. Everything the the band did, the flyover stuff, everything, you know, the nine 11 tribute, everything was great. So it made for what was a, I think, a special night, a special atmosphere. That doesn't hurt when you have a lot of recruits in town, but that's you put a bookmark in the recruiting conversation. And I'll say, listening to Stephen and Vaughn on the recruiting podcast that comes out later this week. So, yeah, great stuff from them. So, uh, to begin, I, I want to go back to our Michigan preview and projection show, Anthony, because uh, when we took a look at this game, I took Michigan to win in a close game. And during that pod, while we were live on YouTube, we had a friend by the name of James Larson that was watching. Ooh, he and he happened, he happened to say, quote, enjoy losing to the Huskies. Dude on the right is literally delusional. Love the Homer <laughs> aspect. Like I said before, newsflash, Washington is better than Wisconsin. Much better. 31-17 Huskies. So, James, if you're in here tonight, uh, find a new sport, buddy. You got you got some work to do, man. Uh, I actually I do hope he's right though. Uh, in the fact that Washington is much better, Wisconsin, because that'll make the trip to Camp Randall a, a lot better. I think. Yeah, you kept the receipts. That's impressive. Uh, I'm pretty sure whoever that was, I forget the name, uh, was probably a Washington James fan that just stumbled in, yeah. like from, you know, just a guy like a guy who stumbles into the bar off the street. Yeah. That was at the end of that show too, so. Yeah, let's so let's let's just talk about it. Let's talk about the game. Yep. I I am really interested cuz I mean like I said, when I come on here and do these, everyone has already heard me do the post game podcast from the other night. So I want to hear kind of you two guys go first and then I'll I'll fill in the blanks here. I'll uh I'll sound off first by this 45 to 50 year old woman behind me who all night she had two things that she would do. She would count down when Michigan was on offense. She'd be staring at the play clock on the board and just being like three, two, one, freaking out about delay of game. Never seen someone as worried about delay of game as this poor woman was. And number two, pass the ball, right? We'll talk about this a lot, but it was even after the fake punt where Blake Corum scampered for a 60 plus yard touchdown, whatever that was, uh, 40, 40 plus yard touchdown. And she afterwards even let out like an exhale of like, ah, why aren't we? And it was a touchdown. And so that was kind of my experience was listening to this person. Um, But I think that was the uh, the general vibe was people booing despite Michigan being up 10 nothing um, and pitching a first half shutout. Um, Some just some frustrations around that. So we. There's a lot I have to say about that. I'll, I'll pause there, but that was kind of my <laughs> my game experience. Was was I had to process that throughout the game? Of is this oh, crazy? Man. Is this crazy? Is this the correct thing to do? Um, and it took a lot of 
internal strength to not turn around and be and just like point at the scoreboard every five minutes. But but um, I'll I'll dive deep after Luke. You give your take here. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it was a it, make no question about it. It was a dominating performance Saturday night. Uh, it, it really was, which was awesome to see. I loved every bit of it. So I can't, I, you know, I, I can't hate on it whatsoever. I but but I find some concern in the fact, and this isn't just from this game. Uh, the the fact that the staff has kind of shown that they don't really have a lot of trust in Cade McNamara. I mean, we we saw it in week one against Western Michigan when Blake Corum, and we mentioned this, when he almost returns the kick to the house. They're set up in great field position. One false start that puts them behind the sticks at first and 15. They run three straight run plays, don't really get much out of it, and and they settle for a field goal. I I found that to be a little bit concerning, that they don't really trust Cade. And, you know, they they did every once in a while uh, to throw it against Western and I don't really understand it. I'm not in practice. Um, I think he's made some really good throws to throw to Cornelius Johnson. You know, it looks like an underthrow, but that's a that's a stereo or the prototypical back shoulder throw that was a huge third down conversion for a first down. But I get it. If if you can run the ball like that, I mean, my goodness, the just the breaking of the will on that Washington defense was so evident in that second half. And it's great for a game like that, but it also at the same time, right, it is hard to not think about that 2018 season because that was their mantra, the the whole body blow thing. And it worked and we had fun during the revenge tour and then it didn't work in the most important game of the season and they couldn't play from behind. I think at some point, Cade McNamara is going to have to throw the football for them to win a game. Is he going to be ready to do that? That's that's my big takeaway. The, their whole thing is, what are you doing today to beat Ohio State? And my thing Saturday is, what did you do to make Cade McNamara a little more prepared to do that? Yeah, my thing is that I don't think it's that they don't trust Cade McNamara because they've been pretty outspoken about the fact that since spring football, he's been their guy. He hasn't relinquished the job. And knowing what we do so far about J.J. McCarthy, like obviously there's promise, there's raw potential there. Like he's going to be ready eventually. I think to me what it points to the lack of a passing game. And first of all, it's one of those weird things where Michigan's 2-0. and I, A couple of weeks ago, we didn't know if that would be the case. A lot of people had this game circled right, yeah. as one that they might not win. Washington was a top 25 team. Michigan was really bad last year. Um, the script it looks like it's kind of flipped there. At best, this is probably a mediocre Washington team. At worst, it's probably a bad Washington team. Two weeks into the year, I don't know, but they're 0-2 and they are what their record says they are. Uh, The bigger concern to me is that, one, we don't know any more about this team like we did than we did a couple weeks ago. Like We we know that it looks like they can run the football. And the offensive line, it's probably the quickest start we've seen from a Harbaugh offensive line so far. They came Mm -hmm. out, their best five is – Super apparent. They, they're mashing. They're physical. They're mean up front. They can run the football. They have two backs that look like, you know, I know Blake Corum's only a sophomore, but both of those guys are probably going to play in the NFL. Like that's what we know so far. But I, I don't I don't know if they're confident in their wide receivers. And, and losing Ronnie Bell compounds that even more. And, and this is where I know it's like, first of all, you take what the defense gives you. Uh, Michigan right. has said all year they wanted to run the football. They've said that they're going to build their offense around running the football. And guess what? Through two weeks, 
they've run the shit out of the football and they've done a really good job doing it and no one stopped it. So I don't, I don't blame them for that. Um, I think sat, what, what is, is more bothersome in a game like Saturdays is that when you did throw the football, no one was open uh, outside of Cornelius Johnson on that play down the field. That was 33 of their 44 passing yards on the night. That's 2.9 yards per attempt. Cade was seven for 15. That's bad, no matter which way you you, uh, you chalk it up. And I get that they didn't need to, but I think the biggest problem I had, and I know, like, listen, Washington probably has a day two corner and maybe a day three corner on their roster. But, you know, they don't, Jalen Ramsey wasn't cloned and playing on each side there. I think what we're seeing right now without Ronnie Bell is that um, they, they're not confident in what they have at wide receiver. Maybe not confident. Maybe a lack of confidence isn't the right word, but they're just not there yet, which for guys like Cornelius Johnson. They're also only throwing in obvious passing situations, though, which is not going to help anything on either side for your receivers or your quarterback. Yeah, that's that's true, too. The play call, like their biggest issues right now are one. I don't think this wide receiver room is quite developed the way that they were hoping it would, which for a guy like Cornelius Johnson, guys like Mike Sainer still, they've been here for three years. Like it's time to start making plays and step up. Uh, Roman Wilson, A.J. Henning, second-year guys, still raw, still learning, but you can do something with them. You saw that in week one with some of the long runs that they did. Uh, the passing situation stuff that they did on Saturday, was it was boring. It was unimaginative. Uh, I don't think the play designs were all that good. And to Washington's credit, they had it snuffed out. But, you know, the biggest issues, the biggest questions I have about this team are the play calling and the development of the wide receivers. And those are both of Josh Gaddis's primary um, you know, primary things that, you know, that are, you know, his, his job is to put an offense together, but those are the two things that it's his job to do is he's coaching the wide receivers and he's calling games. And I just, I'm not a fan of the development of either of those things so far. Like Michigan has run like probably four or five run plays and over the past two games and it's just worked. So you need to see a lot more there and there's a lot of work that needs to be done. For me, it's, it's more questions than concerns at this point. All right, going into this game, Anthony, you mentioned how a lot of people had this chalked up as a loss. I think I did before the season started, and then Montana happened, and I you know, obviously flipped the script as a lot of people did, I think. But you go into this game, even regardless of how Washington looked in week one, you tell any Michigan fan that Michigan's going to have 343 total yards, average over six yards per carry on 56 carries, favored by a touchdown, end up winning by 21 points. What is that person's first reaction? That is great. W- wow, what a, what a performance by the running game. Anyone's first reaction is, all right, but what about the passing game? You're a lunatic. <laughs> You're a lunatic if you turn to that first. And I understand you can think both things, but to me, it's more of questions. It's more of questions because 343 total yards on the ground at six yards a pop, to me, you're a crazy person not to do that until the defense forces you to do something else. I can understand that there are questions about like, yeah, but what will the passing game look like? Those are some things that there should be questions about. And because a lot of the you know, pass attempts at Michigan did try were kind of wide receiver screens that simply didn't work, I do think that's where you can have a concern where, yeah, Wide receiver blocking, you miss Ronnie Bell out there. That's an area where Michigan just didn't do well. But then you also have to look at how is Washington playing that, right? They were clearly keen in on those screens. It's another thing. you got to take what the defense is giving you. And you mentioned that, Mm -hmm. Anthony, that Michigan surely did that. So to me, 
I agree. The the passing game was unimaginative. It didn't have to be. And I think the biggest thing for me is because Washington didn't adjust appropriately, you win the game. They beat the spread by by 14 points. Um, and a hypothetical I kept coming up with in the game to rationalize this thought process was say Michigan throws a pick in their own territory, right? Sets up a short field for Washington. They pull within a touchdown in the third quarter or whatever. Um Washington was struggling on offense. That's really the the worst case scenario for Michigan if they do that. You know what people would have been saying if that scenario happened? Geez, we were running for six yards a pop. Why are we trying to throw the ball, right? That's That would have been the reaction. So I do think the risk calculation, when you take into account what Washington was good at, which was not a whole lot past defense, right? That was the only thing they were good at. They just could not really do a whole lot offensively. Special teams is really good for Michigan. You play what you what you got. You play what's what's strong, and you rep what you can to deal with the future when the future arrives. And that's the passing game at this point, right? It's just something that that I think is a work in progress, appropriately so. I think there are definite questions there, but to me, it's not a concern just because of how easy the run game has been thus far. Yeah, and. I mean, 6.1 yards of carry, it, it says it all. They didn't need to do it to win this game. I just – I I the play calling concerns me most, more than anything because Cade's proven he can make the throws, at least to me. I mean, the, the passes he threw against Western Michigan were truly tremendous. Loved the throw to Cornelius Johnson. But running the football – and it worked, but running the football on first down – time and time again, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably the least efficient thing you can do in terms of EPA uh, per play is run the football on first down. It's going to get your offense against better defenses into a lot more trouble. Um, And I would love to see some more play action passes on first down and not these little just swing passes, you know, out in the behind the line of scrimmage as an extension of the run game. Like, let Cade throw it, get some average, you know, depth of target a, a little further down the field. And I guess if the thing was, you know, we're just trying to get out of this Washington game with a victory and maybe we'll work on a little more against Northern Illinois, then yeah, th- then they did what they absolutely had to do. Um, it's just, you know, I we need to see more before we can really, before at least me, before I can really buy into this team. I need to see a little more on that front because you can't really win conference championships. I won't say running 56 times in 2021. That's just how I see it playing out. Well, here's the funny thing about all this too, is that I know in the last couple of days, Harbaugh and players have answered answered questions about it. And if one of them by the grace of the football gods is listening to us right now. They're probably going, what the hell are these guys talking about? We just beat the hell out of Washington. Yeah. Like, and what, it was awesome. What, to watch. At, what more could you be asking for? Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing is that it's good. Like things worked out pretty well for Michigan because Kate didn't play well on Saturday night. I, I thought his, he was a step slow. Uh, I thought the reads were a little bit slow. The ball was coming out just a little too late when they did throw. Um, I, I think right now the difference is that, you know, in last week's game, and again, Western Michigan, like Washington's not a team where you, you're you just putting stuff on film to get reps. Like it's a Pac-12 team. If nothing else, usually an upper tier Pac-12 defense, like you're going to take and do what the, the game dictates you do. And, and that game happened to dictate that they should run the football. Um, I think what people were probably concerned by 
is, you know, it, last week, Cade was nine for 11, 136 yards, two touchdowns, was the highest graded quarterback performance in college football last week. This this past week didn't play well. Uh, you know, th- I think even he would tell you that he didn't have a, didn't have a great performance um, in the vacuum of a couple weeks. I understand, you know, I'm not freaking out about this stuff yet because I do, again, they've got like what four, four star guys in that wide receiver room. Still, you've got an experienced guy in Dalen Baldwin, experienced guy in Cornelius Johnson. Like it's not like they're bereft of talent there. So I'd like to think they'll figure it out at some point. Um, But, you know, two weeks from now when they play Rutgers or when they go to Madison, if they're still trying to run the ball 50 times a game, and throwing 10, 11, 12 times a game, you do kind of have to ask yourself at some point, like, what is it with the court? Like, if if you don't trust your passing game and you're just going to have the guy take the snap, turn to his left, turn to his right, whatever it is, you do have to kind of wonder what the plan is there with the quarterbacks. And obviously we know what the elephant in, in the room is. You know, I'm not out on Cade McNamara yet. Oh, no, uh, I, I think he's proven he can make the throws. He can run the offense. Uh, I just think they need to, you know, maybe, you know, I, I think he could probably be empowered to do a little more running of the passing game. Um, and I think we'll probably, we'll probably see more than that. I don't think this is at some point, And this, again, Steven puts it well, these are questions, not concerns. That's a matter of semantics. If you're an optimist, you call them questions. If you're a pessimist, you call them concerns, but at some point, because, Non-conference play is over after Saturday. Like, talk about traffic cones. You're almost a 30-point favorite against a MAC team this weekend. You should get done whatever you want to get done this weekend. Rutgers is a physical team that comes to town the week after that. Then you go to Madison. Like, at some point, you're going to be involved in a football game where you're going to push someone and they're going to push back, and it's not mm-hmm. going to be all sunshine and roses there. And I guess, like, those those questions, concerns, whatever you want to call them, can't really be answered until that happens, but – for now, Michigan's two and zero. This is a this is a team that won two football games last year, and I know how, it was basically half a season. It's a COVID season. They've won two games already. There's a chance they could win four games before it's even October. So, right now, I think we take things week to week. Um, I know that the narrative with the fan base. It's funny how this is flipped too. Remember how it was? Oh, we're so annoyed with the team taking everything week to week, and why don't they focus more on Ohio State? And now they're like outwardly talking about what they could do about to beat Ohio state. And I think it's actually maybe the fans who maybe need to take a step back and, and go week to week with it. Like it's pretty apparent, like this, like you have to have some kind of degree of explosion to you to hold up in a game against Ohio state. Like we know that that's what the case is, but right now, can you beat, can you beat Wisconsin? Can you beat Penn state? Can you beat Michigan state? Can, can you win a football game next week? Like that's, to me, like we we came into this year knowing that this is probably like they can probably do what they've been doing and win eight or nine football games. And again, whether that's successful, again, it depends on what the totality of the season looks like. But right now, I think the fans could probably stand to settle down and take things a little more week to week, too, because yeah. two games, I can't say I know any more about this football team than I did three, four weeks ago. Yeah, it's tough. And I mean, the, the bar just keeps raising, right? It was, you know, look decent against Western. Okay, now you got a toss-up game. At least it looked like a toss-up, maybe slight, slightly losing against Washington. And then it's, you got to beat Washington because they lost to FCS. Now it's 2-0. You got to develop the passing game. You know, I get it. It's part of being a fan. You're going to focus in on, you know, what's going to take this team to the next mm-hmm. level? What's going to make me more comfortable as a fan? It's 
it's natural. And you're right. I'm a, I am a semantics guy, questions versus concerns. So I do <laughs> hone in on that. That's just my That thing. wasn't a shot, by the way. No, That's I get it. No, I do get it. Um, I, uh, <laughs> go ahead, Steven. Yeah. Um, real quick, we just have a, a new member, GDRCO. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the channel. Appreciate you nice. signing up you as a member. Um, the uh, So, yeah. So I, I think for me, it's more of honing in on we just don't know. Like, honestly, we, we have less knowledge now than I feel like any other point in history in college football with how last year was. It's just, there's just, it's such incomplete data where I, it would not surprise me next week if Cade McNamara came out and threw for 350 yards because NIU secondary is terrible and people, you know, I think, maybe surprised by that but i don't know it, it's just something where it's we're learning so much week by week where think of just how much has shifted in the past two weeks in yeah. kind of what you're saying about the mindset and how much can change um you know one week afterwards i'm sure washington was thinking they're gonna be pac 12 <laughs> you know contenders against oregon this year and who would have thought that Ohio State was going to actually ever lose again? So yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, but you get what I'm saying where uh, with how last year was just a crazy year. We're learning a lot each week. And, um, you know, I think I think the pass game will uh, will figure itself out. Um, it I needs think, to. Yeah, it needs I just, to. I just want that. I just want to see them trust K. Like I said, I, I saw I watched them not really trust K in the Western game. Obviously, last week. Look. I'm I'm completely different on that. I am way more optimistic about this team than yeah. I was at the beginning of this season after these yeah. last two games. That was a dominating performance against Washington. I don't care that they lost lost to an FCS school. Yeah. That was a dominating performance. And I want to shift the conversation a little bit. Obviously, the offense is going to dominate the conversation because it's college football, but my God, that defense looked fast and explosive and strong on Saturday night, and I think Aiden Hutchinson might be the best damn edge rusher in the country. He has been unblockable in the last two games. Unblockable. This defensive line is dominating. It's allowing the linebackers to play fast. There's And, and even on some of these plays that the secondary has given up, coverage has, for the most part, been right there. You had a freshman get beat out of you know a press slot position for a touchdown, and that was about it. Other than that, I'll, you go back and watch some of these big completions. The one against Western on third down, um, it, down the sideline. Uh, I can't remember if it was Jamon maybe uh, on the side. He was right there, just barely missed it by by getting a finger on it. Last night they had a couple exact, or Saturday they had a couple like that along the sideline where the defenders right there just uh, the receiver made an incredible play. Uh, this defense is playing some incredible football right now, and I hey Mike McDonald at least through the first two weeks, man. He's been pretty damn good. He's got them running around playing with their hair on fire. They swarm to the football. They play fast. They play physical. Like I said, they're, they're another heap. Like I've, I've been more impressed than I thought I would be with them through two weeks. Again, through the two weeks, it's just two weeks comes with the asterisk. I get it. Um, you know, I still have questions about the cornerback play. I'm not, uh, I don't think that those guys had the best night, uh, but you know, if your pass rush is getting home, that takes a hell of a lot of pressure off those guys. And, and Aiden Hutchinson was unblockable. Um, other guys, Taylor Upshaw, Mike Morris, David Ojabo had good games. That's yeah. 
I'm starting to feel a little bit better about that front seven uh, than I did coming into the year, which is the key to everything. Like anyone who watches football knows you generate pressure, you get to the quarterback. It's, I mean, it helps the defensive backs. It doesn't totally wipe their responsibilities away, but you know, last year those guys got hung out to dry because nobody was getting home. So yeah, I mean, again, Washington's Washington's offense against Montana was a disaster. It was mm-hmm. chain reaction. The blocking was bad. Pass protection was bad. Their wide receivers were out. Uh, everything moved slow for them. And Montana didn't even really pressure them that much because it's an FCS school. Michigan brought the pressure all night. And outside, um, what, they didn't even score their touchdown until the fourth quarter, right? It was late in the game. Michigan was dominant all night. So, again, it was just kind of one of those that's, – that's my biggest takeaway so far is that, you know, the old adage is, oh, to win football games, you have to win in the trenches. Michigan isn't just winning in the trenches right now. They're beating the hell out of teams in the trenches on both sides. Dominating. Of the and Mozzie Smith is, is playing out of his mind right now. Yeah, I think it's good to see the interior defensive line flashing. You mentioned Mike Morris. I like see Mozzie Smith. This was kind of the year that I was looking for him to make an impact. And it's it's just nice to see those guys finally coming through. Um, the thing that really I was missing last year, it seemed like really outside of Quiddy Pay, I know there were some injuries around, but like, I feel like I can't remember really a memorable play from like Daxton Hill. Um, I, I, and you know, I, I do think there were plays for Quiddy pay, but this year for Hutchinson, it feels like this defense is just really letting them do what they're best at watching like a, a swing pass for running back go out and watching Daxton Hill just fly out there and set the edge phenomenally. That that's just music to your ears. Cause it's like, yeah, this guy's a five-star for a reason. What are the best ways you, that you can actually deploy them? And I'm not looking at Hutchinson or Daxton Hill saying, man, is there a better way to deploy those guys? It feels like they're appropriately using the talent that they have. Um, linebacker, biggest question I had, I actually had Junior Colson as one of uh, my top freshmen make an impact. Love that he's getting um, getting experience early on. I heard his name a tongue last night. Um, and I think that's because the defensive line played so well. They freed him up a lot to make a lot of plays. And having both him at, and at Nikai Hill Green with um, with significant experience at this point, that really helped assuage my fears there. I still think there's a way to go in the secondary, especially in the zone. I feel like the quarterback for Washington Morris did quite a bit better job in, in this game, even with the pressure, finding those gaps in Michigan secondary. So I think there are things to clean up there. But it was the first time that we saw like like DJ Turner made a nice play in the secondary to cut down a like wide open field to a five yard gain plays like that kind of happening. I think Vincent gray is showing a lot more uh, confidence. So it's not perfect, but I mean, Washington still had close to 300 yards passing, but what Michigan did well is limiting those drives, right? No huge busts. Mm. Um, They really forced Washington to string together um, a really long, sustainable drive, and that's just not something that Washington is is good at. So it was a good management of Washington's weakness and really forcing them to do something that Washington cannot do, which is sustain a long drive. So it, it it's a smart defense to me. Like it, it feels intelligent. It feels like they're doing things intelligently, getting some of the younger guys, Rod Moore, I mentioned Junior Colson getting experience at those positions you really need, um, and, and they're making it look uh, they're making it look comfortable, which is a, a big a big 
I think concern I had of, about a couple positions. Are All we right. good? Well, see, this is what happens when we do live. Sorry, sorry I was about that, say, guys. I don't know what watching, happened. Watching live here, man, that was getting weird. Uh, we did find the uh, biggest optimist uh, in Michigan fandom, Bruce Miller. Hey, you guys, don't know squat. They are playing the game they want to to win. Each game, if they need to pass, then they will. They are morphing into the team they need to be to win against who they play. Hell yeah, Bruce Miller. They're not losing a game here this year with that mindset, my man. I love it. Undefeated. Well, you heard it here from, from Bruce, Bruce first. <laughs> I'm not I'm not here. I'm not here to pick on anyone, but uh we do know the game. Uh Steven watches film on the game. Uh we all watch the game. We know where the game's going. Like, um, you know, this if you're gonna play service academy football, you could probably get to eight or nine wins with that. But again, um, for the people that say, oh, you know, just beat Ohio State and you know, get to Indy, you're gonna have to there's gonna have to be some kind of semblance of explosions through the air, whether you know, like Jim Harbaugh said, Oh, we can be on the ground like George Patton, or we can attack through the air like Neil Armstrong, which Neil Armstrong went to space, so we're not going to split hairs there. But <laughs> that, was, that was an all-time Harbaugh quote today, by the way. It was. Um, <laughs> let's – again. I, I, can I ask you guys a, something real quick? Please. I mean, I'm I'm watching, and I will say, you got two guys running the football right now that I don't think I have ever seen at Michigan between Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum, the, the talent and the way that they run Blake Corum's cutting is, is truly, truly unreal. Like when is the the last time we've seen this? And I understand Mike, you know, Mike Hart maybe is probably the first guy that come to comes to mind, but I don't even, I, I mean, he wasn't like the most explosive guy you've ever yeah. seen. Like, yeah. like the explosiveness from these two are, are truly unmatched. I feel like. Go look at his touchdown run right after the fake punt, the 67-yarder, like right when the hole opens up. It's all, you almost have to slow it down to like the Zapruder film to see like this super like subtle kind of shake that Blake Corum does before he cuts up the field. It's I haven't seen a Michigan running back do that. Uh, again, I might have the memory of a goldfish here, but maybe, again, since Mike Hart, and I know that the joke on Twitter online is, well, he's Mike Hart, but fast, but I'm telling you, like that guy – the Burt, like he has a gear that we we haven't quite seen. I don't, Chris Evans was fast, and, and guys that yep. they brought in have been fast. Some of those Rich Rod guys were fast, but the you know from the zero to sixty gear that he has, I I'm having a hard time coming up with a guy that I've ever seen do that. And, and Hassan Haskins looks looks fast too. He's not yeah not just a battering ram. He's he's moving really well too, showing really good patience. Like again. Now, I'm making a direct comparison, but kind of like Le'Veon Bell-esque, just kind of like waiting things out and, and very like patient forward. Um, you're getting the play. Those are your two most talented offensive players. So if they're not touching the football, then we have a problem with the offensive coordinator, right? So it's right. kind of this chicken or the egg thing. Like what's what do they do? Like if they can run the football, they should do that because those two guys are good. And guess what? Donovan Edwards is going to come on at some point too and bring just kind of a five-star yeah, a five-star guy that is like a mishmash of what both of those guys do really well. So if yeah. they can run the football, I'm totally fine with it. It's just the question to you, Stevens, terminology, you. not mine, not a concern. The question is, and this is this is the same question I have about the defense. When someone zigs, how do you zag? How do you mm-hmm. respond to that? Yep. Um, you know, again, 
Washington stacked the box and couldn't stop it on Saturday. Like they yeah. stacked oh. the box and still couldn't stop the run. I don't know if Michigan's going to have that type of luck all year. Um, you know, like like I said, Rutgers is going to come in in a few weeks and play physical again. I know it's Rutgers, and but they're a much better football team than they have been. They're going to punch you in the mouth. They're not going to be afraid of you. Same deal with uh, Wisconsin. Looking forward, it's actually kind of hilarious to think of what this rush offense might do to like a Nebraska defense because that team is soft, extremely soft. But like I said, um, at some point you're going to be like your season's going to be defined by how you respond to someone catching up to what you're doing. And hey, if Michigan can run the ball 50 times a game at six mm. and a half yards a pop and and beat the hell out of everyone on the schedule, more power to you. But yeah, um, again, it's I just, want to. Uh... I want to I see want more to football. Add, yeah. I'm excited for more football. I, I want to answer uh, Lucas Reiser's question real quick. He said, does everyone's memory start with heart? Chris Perry, A-Train, we're blue chip back. And you're absolutely correct, but the question was, when's the last time Michigan had guys like this? And uh, it happens, just so happens that both those guys uh, were a little before Mike Hart. So, yeah, when, when we go last, we're probably going to go to Mike Hart. Yeah. Well, and that's but you are correct. Years. Those guys we're were amazing. Chris Perry once. went to New York as a Heisman finalist, you know? Yeah, we're talking about once in every 15, 20 years. Like we're going back we're going back. I, I don't I'm gonna take the low hanging fruit here. Like we're going back to the days when Michigan was still like winning and competing for Big Ten titles. Like right. that's how long it's been. Yeah. So hey, <laughs> if that's the missing ingredient, sweet. Like yeah. that's a that's a huge thing to figure out because whether they are three or four deep at wide receiver and have a five star quarterback, this team and this program still wants to run the football, even if it's 30 times a game. So to have what they have there, I mean Check, check. Offensive line, check. We'll see about everything else. It's going to take time. And I do think one thing I'm discounting in terms of my just take what the defense gives you, run the ball 60 times a game, health. I mean, you have something with Blake Corum and Azan Haskins. And if you run the ball 56 times between the two of them every single game, again, you're running the risk. What's the risk management of that? You lose one of those guys and your run game looks a bit different, right? I think a big thing I've noticed on a lot of Blake Corum runs, right? He's the home run threat where Haskins is more of, um, you know, do the dirty work. He still has excellent footwork. You mentioned the patience that really shines on film for Haskins. What both of them do is they force the defense to play so differently when they break through that second level safeties don't know what the hell they're doing <laughs> once a running back comes through because it's a very very different situation when you have blake quorum getting to the safety level and is haskins and that's why you see as soon as you're past the second level for blake quorum he's gone I, i'm looking at these safeties on film i'm just like what was this guy thinking and it's like oh maybe he was expecting a hazan haskins who you know maybe he'll put on a shimmy but he's not a guy who's really going to put a 4-4 foot in the ground and, and leave you in the dust. Mm -hmm. So that's the value of having both of them healthy as well to kind of have that that combo to throw off defenses and and how slightly different they are. So yeah, I can't I can't remember the last time you had um you know, I think you can make more comparisons for Hazan Haskins, but he he does the little things um really really well and I think he just by happenstance of Blake Corum's existence is just going to be kind of the second back that people talk about just because Corum is closer to, you know, the, the shiny object that you're going to look at, but um, both of their roles are just so vital. Um, there was the one thing I wanted to point out in my freshman feature uh, episode on Blake Corum, 
the only negatives I could find about anything about Blake Corum was his size, uh, durability, and him being close to physically matched out. Those were the only things. Every single other thing, his vision, speed, um, like even strength really was, was mentioned by a lot. And then over the offseason, he just posts him just squatting like a million pounds, just crazy pictures of him just like always in the weight room, just Bruh. living there. Apparently, like the thing from the Fantastic Four. Oh, unbelievable. And then literally and then looks he, like Doug Martin, man. Yeah. And then he runs 21 ball or 21 carries against, you know, a power five team like Washington with some monsters interior. And it's like, yeah, he was playing for one of the best programs in high school out of Maryland there. And I, I feel very, um, I don't know what the best word is, validated for me for me criticizing those reports that he wouldn't have the durability or the, you oh, know, I, the size to be at that level. I thought it was, I, I I thought it was crazy. You, I cite that video of yours all the time. And I'm like, you know, Stephen will say, and I don't know if this was an original take for you or if you got it from something you read, but he might have been, he was probably a five star talent if he was, if, you know, if he was five foot 10 instead of five, seven, five, eight. Right? 100%. He had a top 30 overall production level quality season, I think multiple seasons in high school. If he was 5'10 instead of 5'8, you're looking at that ranking. And well, yeah. we, we we talked about Mike Hart a little bit. How much credit uh, are, are we giving to Mike Hart here with development of these guys from last year to this year? A lot. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Their vision has improved. I think they physically are, are in good shape. I think. It helped like they're not choose my words carefully here. Jay Harbaugh's still on the staff. In a previous setup, I think we're going, well, uh, you know, we got to get Donovan some carries too. You know, Tavier Dunlap had a good camp. We got to get him in there for a few reps here and there. Um, get a couple fullback carries. Like they know who their two best guys are. They've said it also. That's this has been the most, I don't know if it's Refreshing is the right word or eye-opening, but since this staff reboot, since the submarine in the winter and you come out and spring football and all that, they've been pretty transparent about everything they've said. And they've said from the start, our 1A, our 1A and 1B is Blake Corum, Hassan Haskins. And yeah, Donovan mm-hmm. Edwards might get five, six, seven touches a game, but those two guys are going to bear the brunt of it. And the box score not only points to that, it uh, it's screaming at that right now so again you hope that they can stay healthy like part of the like there is a again question not a concern moving forward guys getting 20 25 carries a game between the two of them like i don't think that's going to happen because i think naturally they're going to have to balance things out, out a little bit yep. um but if one of those guys go down there's a chain reaction of everything there especially if it you know again Santa Maria. If it's Blake Corum, then you lose a kickoff return or two. So there's a chain reaction there. Um, pray for good health. Uh, you hope that those guys can stay durable. I think they're they're in good shape. I think the I think whatever they did in their their strength and conditioning program this offseason worked because the offensive linemen are a lot more are, are playing a lot better and looked the part. Man. I forget who it was. We talked to. If you want to know how Michigan feels about its team right now, after Jim Harbaugh spoke on Monday. I think we talked to four players and three of them were offensive linemen or, or two. And rightfully players. so, man. Yeah. Um, and, and one of them, and I forget who it was. It was either um, it was either Stuber or Trevor Keegan talked about how they did some kind of workout in the lower back 
and, and Steven's a runner and probably a little more of the fitness guy. I don't know if you can speak to this, but some kind of muscle in their back that just helps them like fire out quicker. And they all worked on that. And if that's the key to all of it, holy hell, it's worked so far. So <laughs> science breakthrough, man. I might go, I might go pump out a few of those reps myself after this, but uh, get these podcasts out a little bit faster. But yeah, it's um, physically they all looked the part. I think mm-hmm. – uh, you know, on both sides of the ball, it's not just the offensive line. I think the defensive line has, has looked really well. Again, they, they look of- they look more athletic, fast, strong. Like like we see, you know, we talked about it for years, right? Like what the SEC kind of looks like, you know, and that's that's kind of how I feel. You know, that this team is kind of looking right now, just from a, a physical standpoint. I won't quite go there yet, but. I, I I told they look they look faster and bigger mm. in a lot of key areas on both sides of the ball. No. I also wanna I wanna go back when we were talking about the defense and Steven kind of brought up the the scheme and letting guys do what they're good at, man. Uh I and watching what Aiden Hutchinson is this year compared to what he was maybe a year or in twenty nineteen has me just thinking of what Rashawn Gary would have been like with a Mike McDonald scheme. Yeah, I mean the the allowing less you... Rashad to be a standing rusher. Oh, well, God, even Quiddy Pay, like there was a story that came out from the Indy Star, like during training camp, where Quiddy Pay gets drafted by the Colts, and they they literally go back to ground zero with all how their how his technique is, and you know more doing more of the the speed to power, you know, going mm-hmm. more from power to speed, and you know at Michigan he was more of kind of a, like an anchor, and the same deal with Rashawn Gary. So like, I think the days of I don't. I can't say square peg round hole, but I think, and the scheme has looked this way. They've said it was going to look this way. They just want their best players. They they want to put the guys they have in the best position to succeed and, and max out what those talents are. So, yeah, um, not well done so far. You're going to see some better offenses coming up. Probably not in the next couple of weeks, but uh, you know we'll, we'll see if you can. There's a lot of football still to go, and I think the bye week falls at probably a perfect time. It's the weekend of October 16th, so it's kind of like first half story, second half story. A lot of development still to go, but physically they look the part. Mentally, it seems like they've looked the part. I think the next kind of test here for me is how they how they take a punch and how they counter. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and that you see a lot about a team when – What's the morale when they're down by a touchdown, right? And thankfully, Michigan's been able to fire out pretty well in these games. It's not going to happen all the time. Um, I was happy to see, uh, I don't think it came across on TV, Luke, but after Blake Corm's touchdown, he was out on the, on the bench, like pumping up the crowd and stuff. And I saw a lot of instances of that. I mean, you can see that as, you know, like a, a one-off thing, whatever. But again, it's a good sign. And I remember last year when yeah. we were watching – I don't even remember who it was. Maybe it was Rutgers, but some team was like holding up chairs on the sideline, getting hype or something. I forget what it was, but Indiana, it it was Indiana. You're right. That is who it was. And it was like, and I remember the feeling, I don't know if it was you and I, Anthony, were talking after that game or something, but it was just like, we wish we were Indiana, like just from a mindset standpoint and from an energy standpoint, it's at least seemingly, Again, early on, but it's seemingly on the right track in a lot of these little things as well. Um, and just touch on the defense again, kind of just going back to putting people in the right position. The thing I like the most is um, they understand that they had something with RJ Moten getting him involved. Obviously, they feel like they have something with Rod Moore. 
they're using a lot of their safeties, um, I think, to kind of cover some of the lack of depth they have at cornerback. And that's a, that's a great thing. And it's a similar thing with kind of rotating to Kai Hill Green Jr. Colson. They understand their depth there is pretty thin. So getting multiple guys experience when you can. These are just little things that I think m- most people would be pretty okay if Nikai Hill Green played the entire game. He seemingly did well in week one. But these little things like this on defense help me be a little bit more confident that the defensive staff understands this roster. And I think understanding what the appropriate setup should be, because in the past I've had this kind of feeling mostly on the offense, but that Michigan plays um, the player that has the most potential rather than the ones that will show out the best in the game. You could look at an obvious one like Joe Milton for that, but for the defense, it's more or less, you know, I think Nikai Hill Green at this point is probably a little better than Junior Colson. There's a lot of way, a lot of room for Junior Colson to improve. He's so young. But what's the value in that? What's the roster looking like to support uh, the uh, linebacker injury, right? And there, there's just little things like that when you combine energy, uh, understanding depth, the utility of people like Hutchinson and Hill in the correct role, taking advantage of their skill set. Again, they're just signs that things are headed in a, a direction that's sustainable and that they, you know, know what the hell they're doing. So <laughs> that's that's encouraging. Yeah, man. Um, let's hope that we see a lot of those young guys on Saturday. Let's hope we see a lot of J.J. McCarthy and Donovan Edwards in the second half on Saturday, you know, because yeah. the game is out of hand yet. Start getting those guys experience, like you said, and keep everyone healthy. Uh, here's to that real quick. Um, R- River Raisin One will definitely work on that. He said, Stephen Toski, could you open your door on your right so we have a little continuity here? <laughs> I can't. I can't. My, my yeah. dog's out there. I gotta, I gotta, yeah. I can't <laughs> let her crash the party. And it's shout out to River Raisin, too. That runs yeah. right through Monroe, Michigan, my hometown. So, and <laughs> uh, also, also basketball fan, uh, obviously. Oh boy, we I lost, uh, <laughs> lost my camera there. Not really sure what Not happened. Can you still hear me though? Available. Yeah, we can see you. You're here. Uh, God, this is All what right. happens when you do it live. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding there, man. Um, so uh, real quick, you said basketball fans have really got to point out how great the fans were and how well they showed up for that game. And we talked about that at the beginning of the show. Um, <laughs> and he's gone. <laughs> and he's gone. Um, I'll 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 pick it up here. We'll we'll you know we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna kick Luke out here and we'll we'll get him figured out here. But. Uh, we're totally off the rails, Stephen. Uh, basketball okay. fan, I'll bring it up here so we can read it. Uh, we got to get point out how great the fans were and how well they showed up for that game. I totally agree. Uh, it, it's funny. Actually, there was attendance-wise, I think there were like a 1,000 less people there than the opener. Um, but again, that's it's funny. They say the, the capacity in there is 107,000. I know there have been games where what? They get up to like 112, 113, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of butts squeezed together on on these bleacher seats there but yeah the fan the fans were great and and something and this is kind of i think maybe my last point before apparently i'm, I'm the quarterback now and have to find a way to get us out of here i've been thrown <laughs> into game action with without any reps um you know one a storyline that i'm kind of looking at moving forward is michigan is kind of in this weird spot where you need to dev- like they're they're planting the seeds for a lot of bigger things. It feels like from an administrative standpoint, on the field, on both sides of the ball, um, and those things take time. But they're also obviously the the writing's on the wall. Jim Harbaugh needs to win games too. So 
I, I think right now when people are looking at questions like, well, when could someone like J.J. McCarthy play? When could the younger guys play? I think you pr- if something happens where they lose a couple games before they play Michigan State or they're you know eight and three, you know heading into the Ohio State game, like I think that's where maybe you pull the training wheels off a little bit and get those young guys some experience. But right now they're undefeated. They're going to ride the guys that won their jobs in camp and who have played well enough on the field. Um, I don't think there's a quarterback controversy right now, but again. Uh, if a couple weeks from now we are still here talking about 50 rushes a game and you know getting uh, you know, the, that being what you do, you do have to kind of question what happened. But again, questions, not concerns, right? right. So I think Luke is back. We're going to try to get him back. Luke, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can't see you, but that's fine. This is a uh, for most people. This is a an oral Unreal. medium. Ways, so I thought you were about to roast him and say, for most people, this is better this way if they can't. Hey, see hey you know what? <laughs> I, I work in radio and I got the face for it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, I just wanted to set him up for that. Can Can you at least close this out, Luke? Unless you have any other. Yeah, abs- absolutely. So this was a great show. Appreciate everyone uh, for joining us here uh, on YouTube Live. Always good having you guys. We had a good showing out here tonight uh, on the show. Uh, looked like a, a really good number of people that were watching, commenting. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, don't forget to subscribe if you want to be like Dylan Girk, uh, Lewis Blake, GDRCO. Make sure to uh, become a member to the YouTube page as well. You get a lot of Steven's videos early. A lot of cool perks with that when I throw it to him, I'll him explain everything that comes along with it. But I uh, really appreciate you guys. But subscribe, hit that bell so you know uh, when we got videos dropping, when we're going live, and uh, things like that. Steven, I'll let you tell them all about the membership and where to find you on social media yeah three different tiers if you want to become a member on the youtube channel just head over to the mason brew channel there should be a join button gives you all the different details on each of those tiers so at the middle level you get early access um you don't get a dog like anthony is showing unfortunately but <laughs> you can um, have a dog if you'd like <laughs> for analysis videos that i'll be posting throughout the season you'll get those at least 12 hours early so night before is what i'm shooting for uh, on each of those. So if you're interested in getting uh, early access to that, then definitely consider that. And at the top tier is uh, exclusive live streams. So I'll be doing one probably not this week, but next week I'll be targeting that for any questions you want for a live stream. Uh, just you and me, I'll answer any of your weird questions um, and we can go from there. So at Steven Toski is the Twitter, but you can find Mason Brew on YouTube just by searching Mason Brew. That's the best way to get there. All right, Anthony, uh, what do we got going on this week at the site? Where can we find you? Uh, well, mopping up Wisconsin we- or Wisconsin W team. Washington week. I think I probably said – I keep doing that where I say I, – whatever. Um, Northern Illinois, we'll have some coverage for that, obviously. Michigan's a 27-and-a-half point favorite. Like, there's not a lot of drama. Rocky Lombardi comes back. That'll be a nice little revenge game. Um, speaking of revenge tour stuff, but – Hey, um, that's what we'll be doing. Uh, we're just kind of mopping that up. Non-conference play ends this weekend. Uh, Big Ten play kicks off next week. So a lot to still sort out, but the games start matter. I mean, they all matter, but things kick into high gear uh, here sooner rather than later. So we're already into week three. Um, these football seasons, we wait several months for them, and then they fly by, and we wonder what the hell happened, except for last year, which was the longest six-game season that probably ever will be played. But, uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. 
podcasts or wherever you get your shows, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, say nice things about us. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're here. Hit the like button on the videos if you're there. That helps us too, but that's all I have. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Gerdi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. And like we said, uh, subscribe, rate, leave a review, whether you're on the YouTube channel or whether you're listening on the podcast here on Tuesday or anytime this week. A lot of fun here tonight. If you are listening on the podcast, reminder, uh, we record these live on our Maze Brew YouTube channel every Monday at 730. So we'll hope you join us for those. We'd love to get your comments and your questions as well. That's going to wrap it up for us. For Anthony Broom and Stephen Ossentowski, I'm Luke Yardy. We'll see you next week on Brewcast.